From APM American Public Media, this is the American Radio Works podcast. I'm Stephen Smith. Higher education is at a crossroads. Long predicted demographic changes mean that a new kind of student is figuring out where to go to college and how to pay for it. Demographers say all future growth will be among people of color, most of them low income. A decade from now, 25% of high school graduates will be Hispanic. Those demographic changes and the recent economic downturn are forcing many colleges to change the way they plan for the future. On the podcast this week is a longtime college administrator who grapples with these questions on the job and in a forthcoming book. He argues that colleges should be asking themselves hard new questions in order to keep up with the changes. John McGee is vice president for planning and public affairs at the College of St. Benedict and St. John's University in Minnesota. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. And what kinds of questions should colleges be asking themselves? The first is the easiest. How many students do we want to enroll? It's important because it has all kinds of not just scale but budget implications. Who do we want to enroll? That's an important question as well. What kinds of students, what characteristics do we seek because students not only receive the educational experience, they shape it. And finally, the sort of linking question there is, what is it that we do that is valued by the students that we seek to enroll. If about 98% of the genome or the DNA of higher education is the same, the one or 2% that's different better make a difference. I need to know as a college, what about me is different and better in ways that matter to people? Those are knowable but complicated. And it's easier for us to simply assume, well, we're just good, or we're good at this or that. Um, How do you know, especially as the marketplace, as students are changing, um, as expectations of college graduates are changing, we need to have a better sense of both what it is we do that's most valued and how it is that what I do at my institution is most valued and different than what somebody else can offer. Because if we're all the same, then the only thing that will differentiate us at the end is price. And then all we'll have is a race to the bottom, and most institutions can't do that. So you've written in your book that demographics, economics, and culture converged in recent years to challenge colleges to redefine themselves. What do you mean? What happened during the recession was that all of those forces came together in a very, very particular way. The number of high school graduates in the United States had risen by 36% between 1993 and 2009, an extraordinary increase. And I think colleges got used to that. But it all shut off in 2009. The growth stopped entirely And we've been in this period of shallow decline ever since. So you've got the demographic change occurring at the same time as as the economic change. And then beyond that, the cultural change, really that's occurred over a much longer period of time. Far fewer people went when college was viewed principally as a developmental activity. That is, I went to college to improve my life, to become a different person, Uh, Many more people view it as an experience to go to college, to receive a certification as the gateway to uh, economic opportunity. And there's a lot to be said for that because, in fact, 
it, it does play out that way for many people. But it changes the nature of the way people approach the college experience and where they want to go to college, certainly for residential colleges, colleges that have invested a lot in their history and in their programming, and having students on campus and building a complete experience that becomes a real challenge when that transactional view supersedes the developmental view. So you had all three of those uh, lines coming together, um, all of it fueled or partly fueled by the notion that if I don't go to college, if I don't get a degree, what kind of opportunity will I have? And I think people view view us colleges or view really anything differently when it's something we have to have. So is this true for all colleges, or is uh, are these trends affecting certain kinds of institutions more than others? They, have, they influence all institutions, but they influence different institutions differently. So, um, for example, the cultural lens um, clearly presents more challenging problems to colleges that are the most um, classically traditional, that offer full-scale developmental on-campus four-year experiences. The economics influences everybody. Frankly, in some ways, even independent of the price of college. Um, the price of college everywhere has risen faster than incomes. Um, it's a concern for students at all kinds of institutions. Um, the, de- the demography is also a universal issue. There are simply, it isn't just that the number of students available or traditional age students available to go to college today, it's not so much that that number is changing so much. It's that the, the composition of that population is changing rapidly. It is far more racially and ethnically and culturally diverse than it has ever been. It's not just that we enroll students. We enroll students who come to us as a bundle of characteristics. They come with not just levels of academic achievement or ability or socioeconomic status. They come to us with cultural characteristics and social characteristics and needs and values. And um, as as the population changes and as those change, they experience us differently on campus and we experience them differently on campus. Well, can you explain how your small private liberal arts schools, a, a, a university and a women's college in rural Minnesota, how you're adapting or what you're doing differently to, to accommodate these changes, to respond to these changes? Sure. Let me start with just, I'll go through them in order. Let me start with the demography. We have a long time to take a good look at what's happening with the population and then adapt our strategies and tactics to to those population changes. So we have for some time here at the College of St. Benedict and St. John's University been trying to build new relationships in new places with new with new and different students. So over the course of the last decade, for example, we've quadrupled the number of American students of color who are enrolling at the College of St. Benedict and St. John's University. Last year, they were about 18% of all of our new entering students. It had been 4% a decade ago. Uh, That happened because we developed new relationships in schools uh, where we had not done a lot of recruiting before and relationships with organizations who are working with populations of color. We have had to think carefully about what does it mean for programming on campus. It can be very difficult for a student, no matter how you define the term minority, whether it's racial or ethnic or some other characteristic, when you have initially very few, you're asking those students to essentially be pioneers. And that's not comfortable 
for lots of people, no matter what their age, but particularly young people. So we have to think and have had to think carefully about not just enrolling students, but the kinds of experiences we provided them to ensure that not only they'll be successful when they're here, but that they'll be comfortable and feel valued when they're here so that they can achieve their potential. On the economic side, what we've done, and frankly what almost all institutions have done, private and public, is simply uh, and continuously uh, adapt the way we do financial aid to the changes in the marketplace. The real practice today is that nearly all colleges are approaching all students one at a time, meaning we take students where they're at in terms of their incomes and we're offering financial aid one at a time. That's the only way to do pricing. There is no one-size-fits-all pricing. I think what we're really, what we are trying to focus on more than ever before is not to assume that people either know or understand what it is they're getting from us, but instead we have to be far more forthright about saying and, and conveying and demonstrating this is how valuable this experience could be, might be, should be, will be to you. Do you think that we are in a uh, buyer buyer's market now in terms of college, a seller's market? In other words, do colleges need students more than the students need any particular college? I think that colleges need students more than students need colleges today. I mean, the demography, the flattening out of the uh, traditional age population would suggest as much. We play words like selectivity and what does selectivity mean? And there are, you know, national organizations that will suggest that 70% of all students who apply to college are accepted, um, that the national acceptance rate is 70%. In fact, the national acceptance rate is 100%. There is a college somewhere that will accept you. And there's a college somewhere that needs you. John McGee is Vice President for Planning and Public Affairs at the College of St. Benedict and St. John's University in Minnesota. The working title of his forthcoming book is Educationomics. John McGee, thank you so much. Thank you, Steve. You can find more podcasts about college affordability and other issues in higher education and K-12 education at our website, AmericanRadioWorks.org. While you're there, browse the archive of more than 100 documentary projects and let us know what you think of our coverage. AmericanRadioWorks.org. You can like us on Facebook at American.RadioWorks, and you can follow us on Twitter at AMRadioWorks. Support for American Radio Works comes from the Spencer Foundation, Lumina Foundation, and the William and Flora Hewlett Foundation. I'm Stephen Smith. Thanks for listening. This is APM, American Public Media.